my heart is pretty torn up about the recent earthquake damage in Turkey and Syria. Um, I'm sure similar for you. And, and the shoddy buildings that just toppled and crushed thousands of people. Reports were coming out early that, that people were using social media to post their GPS coordinates to ask for rescue. Find me, see me, help me. Lost in, in the rubble. Well, there's a rubble in humanity generally as well, isn't there? Uh, the, the truth is that the way of life without Jesus is, is handed down gener generation to generation and is futile and crumbling. And I'll admit, I, I have a hard time looking at my friends and, and those that walk into the coffee shop and my neighbors and, and to really see the the exile, the dispersion, the destruction, really. Because it seems like people are doing basically okay. It really takes a shakeup to see it. Now, I want to read last week's passage as the buildup to this week and talk about this firm foundation. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, so you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it's written, you should be holy for I am holy. And now here's our passage for today that we're going to consider in verse 17 through 21 here. And if you call on him as father, remember obedient children, so if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each man's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as gold and silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. See, the truth is, if you're a brother or sister in Christ, you were the ones being hauled out of the rubble and being reunited with your father. He saw you in your mess. He, he heard your cries and he responded. This is God's heart. This has always been God's heart for his people. Now, Isaiah the prophet saw this uh, in a time of wandering and exile and distance and brokenness that, that Yahweh, the creator God, says to his children, and this is in Isaiah 62, 11 and 12, behold, Yahweh has proclaimed to the end of the earth, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. Sought out. Oh, that's what we all want to be, isn't it? Now, do you remember your story? Do you remember your rescue? I find that every time I look back and tell my story, and this is almost on a daily basis, uh, telling my story with someone of where Jesus found me, 
what he paid to dig me out, what it cost to come after me. I, I get reminded of the rubble that humanity is under. So before we go too much further, remember back to your rescue. In a few words, what did Jesus rescue you from? Say that to, to somebody next to you. He, he rescued me from, and then fill in the blank. Is it addiction? Was it internal chaos? Was it pride? Loneliness? Shame? He rescued me from deceit? And then what was the turnaround? So from loneliness to family, from deceit to truth, from shame to honor, right? We should all be able to declare the rescue from eternal ruin, right? Now it's, it's when I rehearse my story, perhaps you found this as well, that I remember my rescue and then I have grace and hope for others as well. Philemon verse 6 says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. It's when we share our story, when we share our faith, that we remember, oh, I remember that time. I remember that. When we rehearse our story, we remember the futile ways handed to us. It doesn't seem futile because it's what everybody is talking about. It's what everybody is suggesting. Self-reliance, self-determination. Well, the way Jesus sees that is that's a life turned in on itself, caving in. And, and you may know this, you may remember me saying this before, but a life turned inward is turned downward. And that's the trajectory of eternal ruin. Right? What's the opposite? Upward toward God and outward toward others. Inward and downward, outward and upward, two different trajectories. But Jesus stepped in, didn't he, with self-sacrifice, <laughs> blood, sweat, tears, to pursue and rescue, redeem and ransom. Let's look again at the passage. If you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He, Christ, the lamb, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Peter's finishing this passage declaring that your hope in Jesus is well-placed because it translates to hope in the Creator God. You're not missing anything. When you look full in the face of Jesus, you see the Father. And it is a firm foundation for a life well-invested with origins from before the foundation of the world. Christian, that's why we can live lives unshaken in a topsy-turvy world, and how we can conduct ourselves with reverence for God in our time of exile. I just want to look at a few things here. Uh, let's look more closely at the fear of God, the futile ways, and, and the precious blood. Okay. The fear of God. Well, it, I think this is saying we, we take the Father seriously. We don't presume he'll just let us live however we want and pretend everything's okay. Oh, that's fine. No, but this shouldn't be the kind of quaking in your boots 
kind of fear, right? Because we also know that he, he loves us. So you call God the Father, and that's good, but he's also the king of the universe and the judge of all. And he sees right into our hearts, but with your allegiance placed in Jesus the Christ, he's your father, and he calls you child. And he's portrayed as a consuming fire and the God of angel armies. And God is love. <laughs> right? Hold all that in your hands. Well, you can't. What we're looking for is reverent fear. Now, perhaps it might be better to talk about the opposite. Uh, the opposite of fearing God in this way would, would be to consider God as insignificant, impotent, apathetic, or permissive. Wow. Is that, is that your view of God? Scott McKnight says, put simply, Peter says that if believers call as father the one who judges indiscriminately, penetratingly, and absolutely honestly, then they had better live in fear of this God, for he is altogether holy and will judge justly. God does not play favorites based on your status, your neighborhood, your ethnicity, your wealth. He's not taking bribes and he cannot be played. That calls for a healthy fear. Now, as a pastor, I, I get into some interesting conversations, as you can imagine. I, I believe that some people are sincere in thinking that because they give money to a church or serve in various roles that that God is somehow beholden to them. They think they've made a deal with God. After all I've done for God, they say, well, why is he letting this happen to me? Well, God doesn't play favorites. He doesn't, he doesn't play favorites based on your status, ethnicity, wealth. He's not taking bribes and he cannot be played. Christian, please be careful about how you give and invest in the kingdom of God. And I, I want you to make sure that, that how you give is, is a sacrificial gift with a willing and cheerful heart. Because otherwise you're doing damage to your soul. So sacrificial giving means that, that you, you feel it, you know, in, in your bottom line. It, it costs you. You don't, you don't just live as normal. You have to not do some things in order to invest in the kingdom. You don't just have everything you want and then you do it. It, it should cost you. Now, the church has historically looked at, at 10%, called, called a tithe, a tenth, as an example. But for some of you, that doesn't even touch the pain point, right? But, but whatever you give, don't assume you're buying favors with God. I care about your soul here. Don't assume you're buying favors with God. He can't be played or bribed in that way. The cheerful, willing, giving heart is all about joy in sacrifice, which is the way of Jesus. Right? So investing in the kingdom is just one example of, of living out our days in the fear of God. Peter reminds us of where we've come from, the, the futile ways handed down by those we had trusted whether that's the American way or whether that's just the, the family way. But these are futile ways. So let's address the, the futile ways that, that form a shaky foundation. 
the kind of life that's subject to decay, the, the kinds of investments that, that thieves break in and steal and moth and rust destroy. See, humans were made to represent God to a watching creation. Okay, so humans failed in that vocation, and creation itself is groaning under our failed rulership. And through Jesus, the true image, we're being called to reimagine and re-image the Father as obedient children. If you live as many do, without any regard for representing God, the loving Father, the judge of all, your life decays and self-destructs, inward and downward, right? Now, for Peter's original audience, that might have been pagan practices to attract the favors of the gods, or even Jewish religious routines. But you know the traps for yourself, I hope. I mean, you've been trapped enough to know those ones anyway, right? Maybe for you, even church attendance is an attempt to get God's attention. It's certain that, that he meets with his people, so come and, and have his face turned toward you. But, but, but is that, <laughs> what's your angle there? Maybe you're going through the motions, but you haven't had a real conversation with Jesus in a while. That's a shaky foundation. More pesky pastor questions here. Are, are you placing pursuits in front of Jesus, or is he leading the way? Are you paying attention to voices that contradict the way of Jesus? What have you been taught that keeps you reliant on anything but Jesus? You looking out for number one? You know, what was handed to you that says, yeah, I think I got this. If you're looking to something or someone else to satisfy you other than Jesus, that's idolatry. And it's slavery. So think, does this way of life I've been handed lead to emptiness, futility, vanity? How many people have come through a pandemic and said, my life is just empty and futile and vain? <laughs> Where's your foundation? Again, it might help to look at the opposite. So we thought about futile ways, but what are the worthy ways? got worth less, but what are the worthy ways? You see, Jesus has called my name. He's rescued me. He's paid my debt in order that, uh, what? In order, in order that what? See, he calls us out and he calls us to. Last week, we looked at holiness being set apart, not set on a shelf, but set into action, not set on the bench, but put in the game. Holy, blameless is how the Father sees you because your sins are forgiven through allegiance to Jesus. And holiness implies set aside for a vocation. This isn't cowering in our homes hoping we'll never get our hands dirty. It's more like regularly washing our hands as we're about the Father's business. Does that make sense? Humans are imperfect. Get over it. There's a plan for that, though, isn't there? Confession. 
sacrifice, covered sin, while, while we're accomplishing the mission we're called to. This is, this is what I've told you over and over. Repent, obey, worship. It should be a rhythm. Repent, obey, worship. Row, row, row. And the more you feel the current pulling you toward these futile ways, the more you have to resist and row, row, row. The more you, you see your face turning away from Jesus and to these other things, you've got to repent of that, obey the gospel, and worship Jesus and Jesus alone. And it's because God is judge and is working to prove us worthy that we all must give an account for what we've made of our lives since they were made holy, set aside. Okay, think about it this way. Have you ever filed a police report for stolen items? Okay, these days there's, there's no real expectation of the criminals being punished or getting them back, and certainly not in the same shape, but, but it's one of the futile ways that have been handed down to us. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I'm partially kidding here. Uh, but here's what, the, here's what the police say when you file that report. Um, you, you might go down to the pawn shop and see if your items show up there. And you're thinking, I paid good money for these things. Maybe for me, it'd be like, I've paid money for these tools and they've been stolen. And now I have to go spend good money to buy them back again. Yeah, says the officer, that, that's, a, that's about it. But think about this. Think about human lives created by God to, to be like angled mirrors to reflect God's splendor into the world and to reflect the praise of creation back to him. But we were deceived into worthless ways of self-glory leading to decay and death. That's the rubble that humanity is under. This may be controversial to you, but the height, I think, of satanic activity is to turn you into a self-glorifying person, which leads to your destruction not to mention the destruction of others around you. And the humans were then stolen and trafficked by dark powers, but, but the creator comes down to this pawn shop called Earth to redeem and buy back his creation. And what did it cost? All right, that's our third thing we're looking at, the precious blood of Jesus the Messiah. We've been redeemed, ransomed, purchased back by the precious blood of the spotless lamb. This is imagery taken right out of the Exodus, the festival of the Passover. The blood of the lamb spilt for you and I covers us in the day of judgment and stands in our place before God as the righteous representative. Praise God. And, and we've gotten into the habit of pointing fingers and blame shifting about the death of Jesus because it's the height of evil and, and broken humanity to take the perfect spotless lamb, the peace preacher, the, the healer and wonder worker, and to kill the most perfect thing to ever live on earth. But this passage we've been looking at is, is that the, the precious blood of Jesus, like a lamb Without blemish or spot, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but now made manifest. So before the world was formed, the Christ is prepared to come like a lamb to rescue it. Now, Peter, our letter writer, had a first sermon. And as he was writing to the Jewish people, he said this. It's recorded in Acts 2.22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. 
a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. We praise God for this, the precious blood of the Lamb that stands in our place. It sets us aside. It makes us holy. For what? As I close here, Karen Jobes helps us wrap this up. She looks at this passage, which is basically one uh, long sentence, uninterrupted in the Greek. Uh, the main thought is this. She says, live out the time of your sojourn in reverent fear of God because, one, the God you call upon as Father is nevertheless the impartial judge of each one's work, including yours. And two, live out the time of your sojourn in reverent fear because you've been redeemed by the death of Jesus from your former way of life. And live out the time of your sojourn in reverent fear of God because your faith and hope are the result of God's eternal plan to raise and glorify Christ. This is your firm foundation from before the foundation of the world. Living out the time is not running out the clock. It's living into the call through obedience as children. We've been saved unto good works, called from worthless, futile, unproductive lives to worthwhile living. We'll see in the next chapter a new identity and a calling, but, but it's enough to say now that we're rescued on purpose, for a purpose, to live into the work God has for us. Church, this is not a time to lie back, but to lean in. And like Jesus, go about doing good and seek the lost, the crushed under the rubble with a message of rescue. I'll bet you this. If you ask Jesus to show you the lost, where are the people under the buildings that are falling? He'll take you to the right spot where he's digging someone out of the rubble right now. And there you'll remember your rescue as well.